0: Surrounding the valley are rugged mountains and sweeping hillsides. And if you drive around Phoenix and Scottsdale especially, you may see a few houses up on those hills. Welcome to Valley 101, an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com podcast about Metro Phoenix. A listener submitted a question about condos that were being built, as they said, smack dab on top of the hill. So producer Amanda Luberto asked around to find out more about the city's hillside houses.
1: The phrase smack dab on top of the hill really caught my eye when I was looking for the next question to answer. It gave me a Dr. Seuss-like vision, a big, tall, skinny hill with a cartoony, large residence teetering on the top, like the Grinch peering over Whoville. But the mountains in the valley aren't lanky and colorful, and they don't house someone trying to ruin Christmas, to the best of my knowledge at least. The houses on the mountains aren't necessarily smack dab on top of anything, but more built into and alongside the hillsides. This was a trend that started around the 1920s. Some of these houses still have a mid-century modern aesthetic. But Grady Gamage Jr. reminded me that homes, or abodes, were built into the side of mountains long before Arizona became a state.
2: Well, you might think about Montezuma's Castle, you know, which was built in the year 1300. Building on the sides of mountains has always been trending.
1: Grady is a Phoenix native and is also a real estate attorney. If you want to purchase a parcel of land and want to change the zoning on it in order to build what you want, you would call him to help you out. In addition, Grady has also written a few books on development in Phoenix. Now, Montezuma's Castle is built into a hill for practical purposes more than aesthetic. But he does have a point. The mountains have always been there, and thus building on them has always been advantageous. But what we're talking about today is a little more modern and not exclusive to Arizona.
2: If you think about the Wrigley Mansion, um, that was built in 1931 on top of a hill. The hill had to be flattened a little bit to put it there. But if you went to Los Angeles, you'd see homes built on hillsides from the late 19th century, you think about San Francisco and the Victorians that run up and down the hills. People build on hills sometimes because there isn't enough flat land. And sometimes because while there is flat land, like there is in Phoenix, you really would like to get a view when you're willing to incur the additional cost of building on a hillside to get that view.
1: But you can't just build haphazardly on the mountains and the valley. In the early 1900s, the federal government split the valley into a grid using the Public Land Survey System and started selling plots to private citizens. According to the Bureau of Land Management, the Public Land Survey System, or PLSS, is simply the method of subdividing and describing land, mainly in the western United States. People interested in moving to the valley sometimes purchased a plot sight unseen, That way, when they arrived, they could begin building a home immediately. Some plots were in farmland, and some plots were on mountains. For those on mountains, some used this as an opportunity to strike gold, literally, by building a mine shaft. Results varied and were mostly unsuccessful, though. Not everyone had Wrigley gum money to make it work, so many plots remain uninhabited. In the late 50s, early 60s, Phoenix saw a boom in home building on hillsides. Since the land was mostly held by private landowners, there were big, bold plans for development, including, according to my research, one plan to even build a tram that could bring you to the very top of Camelback Mountain to a proposed pool and restaurant. Now, if you've ever hiked Camelback, a tram might sound nice, but residents were concerned that this was far too much. This is when the preservation of Camelback Mountain Foundation was started. The foundation got Senator Barry Goldwater involved, and he convinced landowners to sell their land back to the city for preservation. A few years later, with a federal grant from the Bureau of Outdoor Recreation, combined with money raised by this preservation foundation, all of the land on Camelback Mountain above 1,800 feet was purchased to remain untouched.
3: City of Phoenix has actually won national planning awards for our uh, Phoenix Mountain Preserve preservation program that you know had its its early roots in in Camelback Mountain, but then uh, you know went forward into a lot of other preservation efforts throughout the rest of the Phoenix Mountain Preserve system and continues today up in the Sonoran Preserve.
1: That is Alan Stevenson. He is the Planning and Development Director for the City of Phoenix. His team oversees all of the long-range planning and zoning to allow different land uses. He's also involved in the Historic Preservation Office. As he described to me, everything that is built in the city goes through his department and staff.
3: It is very difficult and costly to to build on a hillside. Um, And so the city has a hillside zoning ordinance that requires everything that is above 10% slope uh, and greater in terms of hillside has to go through and meet the city's hillside ordinance requirements uh, in terms of zoning and then some special city code regulations.
1: He said that there are old zoning requirements that were grandfathered in, which is why you'll see some houses built more into the rock further up Camelback Mountain, but today there are more stringent codes. Some of those regulations include things like the density of the project, the height of your building, how many plots you need and can use, and generally, if it is safe enough to even have a building up there.
3: The steeper the slope you go up, the more restrictive the number of units you can have. So you have to have a larger land area in order to even build, uh, you know, a home up on the steeper slopes, uh, where you know you may be able to have a one home on a ten thousand square foot, you know, lot in a more traditional kind of single family zoned property with a good sized backyard. If you're talking about on a hillside, as you get you know, steeper up, you're going to be on uh, you know two and three acres in order to have enough land area to have one home.
1: In order to do this, you have to build what is called a pad. Using his hand at about a 45 degree angle and gesturing taking land from the top and putting it at the bottom to create a flat surface, Alan explained this process to me.
3: And even if you're on flat you know ground, you have a, a built up pad that you look at in any new development and the same thing happens on a slope where instead of, you know, this, you commonly get, they take the dirt here and they put it down here. And then also we'll use concrete and, uh, you know, retaining walls and steel other things to hold this up and then have their pad to build on.
1: This ensures that you have a safe, flat area to build a house. But also, you're not allowed to just start destroying parts of the beautiful mountains around the valley in order for this to happen.
3: They do have strict requirements in terms of that amount of area they can disturb, um, because of that visual impact. And so where I talked about, you have to have a, you know, a larger acreage parcel in order to even build one home. You're then restricted into what area you can disturb of that portion of the hillside. You're limited to a much smaller percentage, uh, you know, of that area to be disturbed.
1: While the cities are trying to make sure that it is safe enough for you to build a house up there they're also taking into consideration how much damage it will cost the wildlife and the look of Arizona's mountainsides. Grady talked to me about this too.
2: And almost every city in the valley now has what's called a hillside ordinance that will limit how much grading and cut and fill you can do to put in a road or to put in a building pad, because it looks unattractive when you see the the cut and fill that that is necessary.
1: Grady brought up another obstacle when building on the mountainside.
2: A lot of it depends on how high up the hill you go. If you drive the base of Camelback Mountain along a street called Rock Ridge, for example, it's hilly, but it's not excessively steep. So it's relatively easy to build on. The dilemma is you've gotta get sewer in there and you gotta get the sewer to flow to where you want it. The, the higher you go, the steeper it gets, the more expensive it is. Just to put in a road can be very, very
1: expensive. That's right, you have to dig and build enough space for sewer lines and water flow. You also now have to build a road, another reason why home builders try to stay closer to the base of the mountain. When I asked Alan about that, he said it's a good reason why the homes we see are often clustered together. If someone has already paid for and paved a road from the ground to their house, all you have to do is pay for a forked off section that goes to your house. The process to say the least sounds complex. It's expensive, it's time-consuming, there are a lot of rules. So I asked both Grady and Alan why anyone would want to put themselves through this. And they both had one simple answer, a view.
0: What a dream it would be to have one of those hillside houses, but it sounds like I should start saving my pennies now. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening and remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at AZC Podcasts. Also be sure to check out The Gaggle, an Arizona politics podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. It'll be in your feed every Wednesday morning. All right, I'm Kayla White and take care.